Welcome to the Ascend Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Each week we delve deep with some of the brightest and most forward thinking, out of the box minds in health, consciousness, mindset, and spirituality. This show inspires our listeners to improve their body and mind, and our intention is to fuse and lock the conscious warrior and shift the balance in the current paradigm. If we had have evolved from from primates, um, I don't think that our ancestors were aware of that transition and that change that was happening. Um, and in some ways, I don't think we're aware right now. Although in some ways, I also think that we're becoming more aware that we are becoming something different. When we have perspectives from outer space, that alone gives us a, a totally different uh, relationship and understanding of who we are or what it is and, and again how we're moving through that trying to they're almost we're almost like little nodes within a, um, a brain or within a consciousness system that's reacting and trying to understand what's next to us what's around us and the universe again becoming more aware of itself have access to that what sort of changes you know it's only been 20 years essentially since the internet's been out uh, what happens when we tap in another two three four billion people Hey, what is up everyone? In this episode of the Sen Podcast, we're joined with conscious filmmaker, director, speaker and writer, Mitch Schultz. He is the filmmaker behind DMT, The Spirit Molecule. And if you've not seen that documentary, I'd certainly recommend checking that one out. As in my opinion, it certainly stands out as one of the most important pieces of work that has been an important catalyst and influencer for many people seeking the mysteries of many other weird and wonderful things in the human experience and the documentary also features previous guests who we've had on the podcast like Dennis McKenna, Rick Strassman and many others. Mitch is also the creator of a new documentary film about the plant medicine ayahuasca and to be honest it's an absolute great watch. It really transcends over and shows the powerful journey with Mother Ayahuasca. But to be honest, I really think that the new documentary is a really fair exploration of the world's most famous, mysterious and powerful psychedelics. So I've put the link to that in the show, note, show notes if you guys want to check that out. So within this podcast, we have a very wide-ranging conversation about Mitch's latest documentary that he's working on called A Ground of Bean. And what I like about the concept of his new documentary is that Grounded Bean focuses on the solutions and not the problems. And it gives like a comprehensive and constructive, respectable outlook on the, the sustainable relationship with, the, with nature. And the project is also delving into many important questions like how we treat our animals, understanding the symbiotic relationship with the natural world, how we grow in our foods, the resources that we're pulling from the planet, asking bigger questions, what are people doing to make a difference in the world and how are we celebrating that? So this is a, a brilliant conversation to say the least. But before we jump with this with this one, it would be so good if, good if you could leave a review of the podcast and help us spread the message of this thing. As our audience is certainly growing every week, but we know that this, ha- this is nowhere near the potential it's got. So thank you for listening to the podcast each week and it would be so cool if you guys could help us out by spreading this to more people. So anyway, without further ado, Mitch Schultz, a ground of being. Enjoy.
Well, Mitch, welcome onto the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know, dear, on the, on this podcast, we're going to be talking about obviously the concept of one of your latest documentaries. Obviously, you're working on Call the Ground of Bean. And when I actually first heard you mention that as well, I was like, yes, we need to get him on this podcast because it sounded like <laughs> such an epic like topic as well. But before as well, before we start delving into that uh, concept as well around the documentary, I just wanted to say I think there's something so amazing about the way that you do transcend knowledge and transcend, uh, transcend knowledge and wisdom and information in this very unique like storytelling way through your documentaries. And what's really interesting, I think we're living in a time now where we have all the tools and we can use our own imagination and um, creativity as well to spread information and expand the human consciousness as well. And I think that's exactly what you're doing with your documentaries. Well, thank you. Yeah, and it's uh, it's great to see these tools developed over, you know, let's just take the internet and some of the tech that's happened over the last 20 years even, um, to giving giving opportunities to, to everybody, really, or at least those that are connected to the internet, because I don't want to include, there are a lot of people out there that still aren't, but have these tools now that we can start to share our ideas and it's not coming from, you know, one or two main sources or, or an elite media, if you will. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Mitch, it's definitely it's certainly clear to me as well to say that, like, obviously you are using your skills to create documentaries and, and if you, in a way as well, you're using it as a tool, to, obviously, like I said before, to spread awareness and on, on these really important topics that do need, like, spoke about. And what I was actually thinking as well, you're obviously you're spreading real truth and you're also actually affecting human consciousness. But I was actually wondering, I want to ask you, what was actually the catalyst for you like choosing to create documentaries? Is this like tool to, to like expand consciousness? Well, all of my work, I hope, will, will help reach people in a way that um, can expand consciousness, as you said, or just give people a broader view of what's going on in the world. Um, we all, I think, have that innate ability in us. Um, and sometimes with the institutionalized being of our world, we get a lot of different filters and things that get placed upon us. And some of that creativity and that imagination gets thwarted. And I still think that we have that there. And if we can learn different ways to cultivate that, then then we can all play a major role in, in the change that's happening on this planet. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think we, we are in a really interesting time on this planet. It's, it's beautiful time as well. And I really think that we, we do, like you said, we, we need to find these solutions. And I think as well, when we when we do start finding these solutions, everyone starts coming from these different spams all around the world. And obviously, then that's when people start finding their own like creativity and imagination all over the world. And I think when people do start aligning themselves with something bigger than themselves, that and they start understanding the problems that we do face on this planet, that's when they can actually start like finding their own creativity to make a change in their own unique way and make a difference in the world. Absolutely. And, and each one of those creativities and each one of these individuals has a, a different type of creativity and a different way of looking at the world. So it's not always going to be through documentaries, in my case, or through music or through writing or just being able to connect with your community and have discussions outside of, of the information that's getting fed to us. And it's important to I think for all of us to just start asking those questions of ourselves, you know, what, what drives me as an individual? Um, what's important to me and, and how do I want to see the world evolve? Um, and if we can start to do that, because I think we know innately deep down inside what makes us tick. <laughs> and if we can really tap into that, um, it doesn't mean that you have to, again, go make a documentary, but just going and having a discussion with a family member can ripple out and have a huge impact. 
Yeah, Mitch, I completely agree. I think I think you hit the nail on the head when you said you just got to start asking questions because I think that's where everyone started, really. Like, just me and Dan ourselves, we started just by asking, like, the basic questions of, like, how can we make a difference? How can we mm-hmm. get something out there of which is our truth and what we believe in? And and that's where we started. And anyway, um, and like, I, like you said, like, each one of us is different. We're all going to learn in a different way. But we all have to learn that's the necessary of it we all need to make this difference so i think it's like crucial point now where we really need to look for this solution so mitch um how can people like find a cause and unlock the creativity to find a solution yeah and, and again knowing that we're all coming from different walks of life um different knowledge you know not everybody on the planet is working with the same tools uh, not everybody has access to the same information um, and our culture and our families and religions and, and politics, all of these things affect what our worldview is, uh, what that paradigm is and that operating system, so to speak, or, or paradigm that we're, that we're working within. And, and being able to celebrate that a little bit because there's something beautiful about that complexity yeah. Um, yeah. and also not putting other people down just because it, it's different. Because we have to understand that everybody's coming from a slightly different place and, and we don't have one reality on this planet. We have you know, seven and a half billion, if you will, if, it, if it's just looking through the human context, but there's probably many, many more and infinite numbers beyond that. So. Important to kind of celebrate that and also know when we're having discussions with other people and trying to explain our ideas that we're aware that somebody else may not have that same bit of information and they they can't see it the same way. So how do we find that language or, or that method that's going to open up? And, and that's one of the things I try to do in my documentaries is I don't want to say this is how it is and this is exactly how it's going to be. But asking questions just to get people to think differently and maybe just kind of open up the mind enough to, to start saying, wow, what I know might not be exactly how it is. Yeah. <laughs> that's exactly how we start, really. Yeah. <laughs> maybe, that's not, maybe that's not how it actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I think you hit the nail on the head there, um, Mitch, when you said um, that people are like really scared of being different. And like that's why a lot of um, wars occur, in my opinion, because like, everyone's afraid of this difference between and uh, but I think as well though even though difference is scary but that's scary that's scared it's just going to lead to fear whereas in in my case I've always found that fear is going to lead you to the solution because there's only so much fear before you start to rise up and think I need better than this I can change this and I think that's where a lot of people need to start embracing the fear really and I think um, after, after the fear is all set and done and you look and think well all right, I'm not going to be scared no more. I need to solve and solve this problem and make a change in this existence. Like, and I think this is where the um, solution starts coming in about self-education. And I think this is where people need to really self-educate themselves, like into your documentary, and really attach themselves to a problem we face, and then align themselves with other citizens who also align with that same problem. Fear leads us to a lot of negative places and you're right whether it be war whether it be political battles um even just relationship battles um a lot of that stuff is an internal story that we're using and and that uh, emotional state of fear causes us to act in ways that can be detrimental um and, and i think the people that are operating outside of fear um in a more intuitive way where fear is not the driving force i still think fear is a probably one of the 
well, it, the majority of the world probably still operates on a fear-based notion. Um, and the more and more people can get out of a fear-based approach, I think there is a um, kind of a natural way um, that, that we can start to move and understand that my perspective is just one perspective um, and that everybody else has their own perspective as well. And I've been looking at um, a model over the last few years and studying uh, human evolution or consciousness evolution, really. And there is a small group of people on the planet that are starting to operate outside of that fear mode. And, and those that are doing that um, can really help us, everybody on this planet, start to see things differently and, and hopefully make a bigger difference on the planet. Yeah, I was going to say as well, something that came to my mind there, Mitch, when you're talking about that, about people waking up. It seems to be, and um, we discussed this on a previous podcast as well, but it seems to be that it's all, or if you look all through uh, history, it always seems to be like this small, a small few amount of people who actually rise up against the uh, norm and try and like expand this consciousness awareness and show people what is out there. And it's just interesting how it's, even through ancient times and now as well, there's obviously people suppressing that as well. But also, it's always that like that that few who always try and bring that strong message through. It's just interesting. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a uh, you know I like to call it evolutionary tension. You know, when and we're in one of those moments. I think right now on the planet, uh, there's a natural tendency uh, when you go through a change process. And, and I think that's the one thing that all of humans can agree upon, that change happens. Now, whether or not we want to embrace that change is a totally different story because most people fight that change. Um, but if we can step back and understand that change is underway, um, but when we find ourselves in the midst of that change process, one of the kind of innate or, or natural things inside of us makes us look backwards to, okay, when was the last time things were working correctly or working in a way that felt comfortable and there was a state of um, equilibrium, so to speak? But we tend to take a step backwards and go back to what might have worked. And what that does is it puts this evolutionary tension on the whole system. And that pop shoots us up to a new state of being and a new way of understanding. And right now, I think, is a, and I even hate to even touch on politics in this country right now because it's been yeah. such a mess. Um, but that, that's kind of what's happening here. We're, we're getting this um, look back to more of an authoritative view of the world, um, that there's this one power, this one sense of the right way to do things. Um, and that right there is going to propel us into a broader, broader state of being. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, when you said there, it expands you in this broader state of being. And you, like you said before as well, change is underway as well. And I think that ties in what I want to mention as well, because obviously, want your new project, Ground of Being, that does tie in with that whole ethos as well. Because obviously, what I know about it so far as well, which I love about it as well, um, is that it's going to be focusing on the solutions and not the problems. And what I really do love about that is when you focus on the solution, you actually provide hope for the people. That's exactly it. There are so many amazing people out there doing some very interesting and kind of cutting edge things uh, that can make a big difference and that are already making a big difference. Uh, there have been a lot of documentaries and a lot of talk on the news about our ecological crisis and, and you know what we're doing to the planet. And <clears throat> I think that we uh, we need to start understanding that it's it's much more than just a human perspective here. Um, we are part of a living system um, and a complex system, and just taking the planet itself, I think, is alive and it's 
it's a responsive system. So it's, it's doing its thing. We're part of that. We're not controlling that. So I, I still think, and I get in a little trouble with a lot of people out there for saying this, but um, I still think it's a little egoic to think that we're going to change the planet right by ourselves i think there are ways to work within that and i think that we are causing some major issues here but the planet's responding to that and it's a much bigger system than our own society and our own human species it's it's interesting how you said that because i was actually thinking of a, of a day in my head as well when i was walking around i was thinking if like an alien race was looking at our planet from above they wouldn't like they wouldn't look at people via like they wouldn't question people's religion they wouldn't question what people's jobs are they wouldn't question what people are actually thinking in their minds they would actually just look at the hu whole human perspective as this like big like uh, complex system like you said and it, it seems to me if you do look at earth from above it just seems like it's this uh, like a fungus like a, like the humans are just like this big fungus constantly expanding it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just really interesting yeah, I mean, we're, we play such a small role in this whole thing, but at the same time, we're at a place, first time in, in I think, in, in human history, where we're starting to understand that we can turn the knobs a little bit, uh, and we, we're having some control in a base sense of how things are unfolding on this planet, and we and we do play a, you know, a significant role in that. We're kind of a, at the edge of the universe trying to become aware of itself in different ways. Yeah. Um, even through our technology, a lot of times, you know, people have talked about how we've been outside of nature and <clears throat> we've moved away from nature. Well, to me, that's just complete BS. We are nature. <laughs> yeah. And so there's no separation there. Um, we are part of that system. And I think it's the same thing with our technology. We like to look at that as outside of us. And people have a lot of this fear based around, oh, my gosh, what are we creating? Well, that's that's the universe creating that it's not just us we are part of that system and and we are <clears throat> facilitating that but we're not necessarily in control all the time yeah definitely i mean i just something to go back as well before something like you said as well before because i think when you do look all around at the world there does seem to be there's so many of these different projects that now like does showcase this role of like like obviously what I know your documentary sort of stands for as well, like community awareness, these uh, better environmental practices and education. And I think what's beautiful because there's all these different components all over the world, like, and even from, from my perspective, what I see is even people just focusing on the health to even somebody taking a psychedelic drug, yeah, people even just educate themselves like we're talking about before when all these world different worlds come together and people start exploring all these different worlds, that's when they do start to really collide in a beautiful way. And I think when all these... Do all these worlds do start entangling together because everything is connected, just like the fungus as well. Everything's connected. That's Absolutely. when people start. <laughs> yeah, that's when obviously people start raising the question and bringing forward these uh, bigger questions and trying to take action against like real big issues on this planet, like organic farming, renewable energy, how we're treating our animals. Like obviously, I know your documentary is about as well, and it obviously just that just leads you on to take actions. What we should be doing as a human being on this planet. Yeah, and started to look, you know, I really go back to this biomimicry and, and how we're designing our systems, um, whether that be technology, whether it be a farm, um, again, even just relationships with one another or the other uh, be beings in the natural environment, um, really taking some insights from how the natural world develops um, beyond us and, and, and saying, all right, well, how, for instance, there was a, there was a young boy recently in the last couple of years that walking around in the forest, and I think he was in New Jersey, 
looking up at the trees and seeing how the branches would branch off differently yeah. and then the leaves and there's there's a fractal element to that and so he developed a a way to capture solar energy that built off of a tree structure as opposed to just one big um, pod or platform that's capturing sunlight because you miss out on the rotation of the earth, times of the season. And if you could start to look at how does a tree grow, how would it capture light? Um, you know, these are just ways to look and biomimicry again that can help us make that a more efficient process uh, and one that's tied in a little bit more to, to how, the, how the world develops on its own. Well, I was just going to say, Mitch, there. Some, I was Chris, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was just going to say something there. Um, I think it's so beautiful because with the way that you said that that uh, that uh, boy was actually like just by him just looking at the trees differently actually sparked him into creating something like technologically. And I think it's so beautiful that because when you do start going into nature and you start looking at the trees completely different, it, you can it actually opens up something in your mind to actually go deeper within something that you're trying to find and I think it's just interesting that story that you said about how he was looking at the trees it's just amazing how that can spark something in people's minds to like question other things Mm -hmm. yeah and I think there are so many other examples that we can you know tap into out there that can give us insights like that and and being in out in the natural world and I use that loosely because even a city is a natural world to me um you know, how, how are we uh, building these things and thinking outside of ourselves um, and trying to use those different perspectives and, and really celebrating the other life on this planet as having an intelligence or a consciousness? Uh, because I think it is all aware. I think that's I think that's fascinating when you said this, like the city is a natural world, and um, to go to because a lot of people now um, they're going to be brought up in a in a generation where. There are going to be more and more cities, and because they're expanding more, they're going to be more um, less and less rainforest and that, and we're, we're going to be like all disconnected from nature. And this is where, like, when that boy was asking themselves his questions, these are the questions that we need to get to humanity. And these questions will get us reconnected to nature, and that's why I think this is what why it's so important right now. So we are um, feel like. We're one with nature. We're not bigger than nature. We are nature, just like you said. Mm-hmm. And we and we need to stop with this whole feeling in control all of the time. I mean, even nature. Nature's never in control. Nature just flows. Nature just flows through, like the universe. It just nothing, nothing. Uh, you don't know if it's going to like, if it's going to be sunny tomorrow, or if it's going to be storm. Nature decides when it just feels feels right, and that's what we need to start believing in ourselves. We need to start. Just going with the flow, just going with, going with nature, and just embracing it, and just having that respect and this deep admiration for it. And this is why I think, like, I, sorry to keep going back to this, but them questions that that boy asked, they could be the whole, the whole power right there, right in that moment. Just them questions. Yeah, and it makes a big difference. It started again, like you were saying. Um, Again, that we are part of nature, but this is a much bigger system and even beyond our planet, you know, we look at our weather here on this planet and we're seeing a lot of changes with that weather. Um, It's not just here on the planet. There's a space weather, for instance, and there's different positions within our rotation around the sun and through the solar system and these large cycles that are happening that are impacting our planet. And I think some of these things are playing a role beyond just humans having a major impact on the planet. And those are things that we can start to look at through technology. 
in a much deeper and more profound way and start to understand how they are affecting um, everything going on here as well. And, and not just the weather, but our psyches, um, our emotions. And we only see a fraction of what's going on in reality. It's a very narrow viewpoint. Uh, we see a small portion of the light spectrum. We only hear certain things. Um, and that's probably built into the system for an evolutionary perspective, but there's a lot more going on out there. And as we can start to develop technologies, that gives us a broader view of how are these things affecting us and, and what does that mean for our place in the universe and, and how we're participating in that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, Mitch. And uh, I read this like amazing quote as well that um, that said, the biggest threat to this planet is the belief that someone else is going to save it. And it's so true because, like, it, it's 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 up to us to save and make the changes right now. Like, we need to put the foundation in place um, to make this opportunity happen, and that that we will have a future humanity, and that the future humanity, our our children's children, can actually see this beautiful relationship with the planet. Yes. Yeah. Um, and and from what we can tell, as <laughs> from our our limited viewpoint. Um, the world is getting more and more complex. Um, there are more and more people and the population is booming. Um, at the same time, we're losing a lot of our natural species. Um, and there's an ebb and flow in all of this. But as that complexity grows, um, consciousness is also growing. Um, and so ways of being start to open up to, to broader perspectives and ways that we can start to like you said, go with the flow, so to speak, um, and understand those natural elements and flows that that are part of the part of the whole system. Yeah, I think what's yeah. interesting, Mitch, as well, is it seems when you're talking about consciousness, it seems to me that, like you talked about before, like it's like, the Earth being and humans being like this complex system. It seems to me that consciousness is also this complex system, and it seems mm -hmm. to like when you are in flow within the within your mind and you're actually asking these bigger questions, it seems to that consciousness within yourself takes on this bigger life force and then that's when it obviously it joins with everyone else's consciousness and they start expanding and it's just it's just interesting how it seems to be that consciousness actually is is the is the driving force behind everything that we're doing on this planet yeah and i i think consciousness is embedded into the fabric of the universe i don't think consciousness is something that is only in our brains or our mind and that it develops after we're born i think that there is um in fact, some ways, I think physicality is a result of consciousness. Um, and that these, these I like to look at it more as a software system, this energetic um, fractal patterns within you know, the nature of space-time. Um, and it's our physicality that comes out of those conscious structures. Um, and again, trying to, they're almost, we're almost like little nodes within a, um, a brain or within a consciousness system that's reacting and trying to understand what's next to us, what's around us, and the universe, again, becoming more aware of itself. Wow. So, yeah, it's, it can be very deep, and you can go a lot of different directions with it. Um, but going with that flow and almost getting out of our own way sometimes, I feel uh, a lot of times we, we hurt ourselves or get our get in our way um and that if we were able to just kind of feel where the energy is moving and where it's flowing when we when we come into a conflict so to speak or there's a an issue with somebody at work or in a relationship um you've got to be able to recognize that move out of the way 
and, and say, okay, well, the energy flow is not there, so let me go this way. <laughs> or what do I need to do as an individual to change that perspective uh, to understand that that's an issue from within? Yeah, I agree. I think I think as well, I um, we need to stop being so like hard on, upon ourselves and start really like just stop stop taking the blame and start like focusing on the solution which is like what we're talking about here and mm-hmm. and i think that's like it's it's so special when we actually do start making the changes from like the self-pity and blame because the victim mentality is probably like is is going to be one of the worst problems that we'll face for this planet because if we stay in that mindset like nothing will change and it'll just get worse whereas if we start focusing now on the solutions in the um in the challenges, we will all, we will not just change the planet, but we'll change ourselves as well, and that's going to be incredible to see. And it actually gives you a wondering of like what humanity would become if that actually happened. I think we're evolving outside of humanity in a way, uh, which is exciting and probably a little frightening to some people. But um, it, for those that do believe in evolution, I think there's a lot of evidence to show that that, that is um, has unfolded on the planet. Uh, if we had have evolved from from primates, um, I don't think that our ancestors were aware of that transition and that change that was happening. Um, and in some ways, I don't think we're aware right now. Although in some ways, I also think that we're becoming more aware that we are becoming something different. We are seeing the world differently, and when we have perspectives from outer space. That alone gives us a totally different uh, relationship and understanding of who we are or what it is, and and again how we're moving through that. So, change is going to happen. I, I don't think change is going to stop. Um, and if we do take steps backwards, it's going to keep changing, <laughs> and that will impact the type of change. But change will continue. At least that's that's from what we can tell. What will continue to go on. Yeah, definitely. When you said there as well, when when you're talking about the first human uh, being changing, and the first human human being didn't know it was becoming a um, human being, it's interesting because I was actually thinking in my mind there: the human might actually not in the future might not actually realize it's becoming the machine. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Or even maybe not even the machine, but transcending out of maybe physical space and time. Yeah. Um, and that that again, getting back to maybe a software that we can tune in and out of different realities or even different physicalities, so to speak. Um, yeah. And again, that can get into a whole other philosophical discussion. Yeah. I was just going to... Keep it going, keep it going. <laughs> I was just, just going to ask you something there, Mitch, because something sparked in my mind there. Do you actually think if we, see if we do, like the process of the human being does go from a human to a machine at the next level, do you actually think that there needs to be like this acceptance of the soul to transfer? I mean, that's a bit deep, but... <laughs> Well, yeah, it depends on how we decide dividing, excuse me, defining the soul um, and that sense of being. I, you know, looking back in history again and that that evolutionary time where what we know now as human beings, uh, we were existing with other humanoids at the same time. And they say sometimes up to like maybe five different types of humanoid beings. Um, I think we're at another one of those times now where there are people on this planet that um, are ahead evolutionarily that doesn't mean that it's good or bad because I, I don't I don't like to look at it in that in those terms 
but I think we are evolving into a new species and that there are some people on this planet um, that are overlapping with where we're going um, and what we are now. Mm. Mitch, I was just thinking there, like, I was just thinking um, with this, like, like machinery um, system in place, people have been born into the system and it's like the system is starting to build them. And that's going to be an interesting part when when we actually don't know if we're distinguished between, like, are we the machine or are we the human? And I think that's what Dan pointed out there is that's very going to be an interesting point in what we're going to what we're going to um, have to face. And and I think like like when we do become in these like machine minds, a lot of people are actually right now are already living in these machine minds. They've got this cold machine like machine process in the brain, and it's they feel like I'm not sure if ego is the right word, but like disconnected from like the, like the rest of the world, and it's like it's already it feels like a machine's already started to take over the mind of an indiv- of certain individuals in this planet. I was just going to say there, Mitch. Sorry to jump in, but I was going to say just I had a spark in my mind when Chris said something there. But I actually think that that disconnection is the disconnection of people actually stepping out there in like the comfort zone and asking what we're talking about before asking bigger questions and people seem to be like scared to ask these bigger questions and that's what i that's what i think the next transition is and people are caught between these two worlds where they know like instinctively there's there's this drive within inside ourselves that's really wanting us deep down in our human body to actually ask bigger questions but then there's that the societal mechanism that's pulling us back and it's like trying to like suck our soul back and say don't ask these bigger questions don't go there <laughs> yeah but the thing is again it's it's all connected right yeah. so um whether they be those societal kind of institutions that have brought us to this point and then there's this internal mechanism going on saying oh wow things are a lot bigger and broader than i thought they were um, there's an interplay going on there. And again, that's, that's a natural, responsive, complex system adapting. Yeah. Uh, so as things are getting more complex and we're seeing um, pollution and trash throughout the oceans, things like that, we're being forced in a way or, or, or led in a way to, to ask those questions. We, we need to ask those questions. And that's why I think more and more people are, are starting to ask those questions. Um, it's not going to, it's not going to be a fight that's going to pull us back. I think this thing will continue to evolve. And as more and more people, as, as the environment's changing around us, we're going to be, we're going to need to be asking these questions. Um, and and I'm, I'm, I'm very positive, um, on the, on the outlook of what's, going on in the future i like to think that we will figure it out and whether that's human beings and i use quotes around that and i use it loosely or it's this new new type of being that's that's evolving out of that um we are we are starting to to wake up and the other big thing about that is again people are operating at such different levels of reality um so we we all can't ask the same questions when you have a large chunk of people on the planet that are still struggling to find food, shelter, and just the basic necessities in life, there's no room in the consciousness to, to think outside of that. Um, it's, and it's this you know, kind of just pure survival level where people in the Western world that have some of those basic necessities and that have access to the internet um, and have a roof over their head and have plenty to eat, 
they can start to ask some of those bigger questions because you're not worrying on a day-to-day basis. Am I going to find food for my family or myself? Um, and so as, as this thing gets more complex, um, more and more people will start moving there. But we're not all going to just transcend and wake up all at once. There, there are different changes going on at the planet simultaneously. Definitely. Um, these changes, though, they're just... Um, with the current trends and how we're living and um, what we're doing to this planet, these changes are just going to get more and more worse um, for humanity's sake, to be honest. And right now, like we need to start focusing and to start understanding that this planet is a force. It's a real strong physical and some might say emotional force and it needs to be respected. And to respect this planet, we need to start respecting ourselves. Like... Like Mitch, like nature is speaking, but we're not really listening. How do you think like each of us can create like a better relationship with nature? Yeah, um, you know, and again, I think that's on an individual level. Um, I started to do this with myself back with some of my big early psychedelic experiences, um, where I where I had these peak experiences, and you get to see all of a sudden, oh my goodness, <laughs> there is so much more here. And one of my critiques of that psychedelic space and that psychedelic experience, a lot of people get caught up in that. And it doesn't have to just be psychedelics. This could be brought on through meditation. This can be brought on through ecstatic dance, drumming. But when you start to have those peak experiences and you come back, instead of concentrating so much on what happened in the experience, we're living in a 3D world. And we need to start asking ourselves, well, how am I living symbiotically in this environment? Um, and that means how, what kind of food am I intaking? How are we growing food? Um, how are we treating animals? Uh, which is a big thing. And not just how we're raising cattle to go to the feed farm, but how are we treating dogs and cats and our pets? And these seem like very simple and minute things, but they play out in a very, very big way um, overall. Um, so each one of us will probably have to answer those questions individually and differently, but sometimes they're little things with, you know, well, do I need to drive my car to the grocery store today or can I do without that and, and borrow that from my neighbor? Or how could I, maybe, maybe we can carpool and get groceries for the entire block or my neighbors. So there's not three or four cars driving to the grocery store to pick up your fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, and, and it's, it's little things like that. I think it's all dependent on, on what, each individual person's um, environment is giving them and what those things are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think as well, just when you were saying before as well, so there's all these different things that do pull people back into this sort of like the back into the human experience. I was actually thinking as well, we just need to actually start um, understanding and remembering actually what nature actually provides for us. In my sense as well, through my experiences with just even just with nature, there seems to be something deeper that we don't fully comprehend, we actually can't grasp in our mind. And it seems to me that we, we don't actually realize how much nature is actually uh, responsible for this, for the human body, and actually how much of the human experience is actually dependent on nature, and how much mm-hmm. actually nature is supporting the full pursuit of the human experience as well. Mm-hmm. I, I really think, again, that consciousness is embedded in everything out there. And, and, and let's just take plants, for example. Evolutionarily, they have been around much longer than we have, and they've evolved into these amazing things where they are taking pure energy from the sun and using that as food, turning that into oxygen so life can exist, right? So 
and it's also not just that aspect of it, of bringing oxygen into the world, but when we have an intake of food, it's these basic chemicals and these chemical reactions that are going on from that. Those, that's a communication uh, from the plants to us. And, and Dennis McKenna is uh, heroes, and I love hearing him talk about this, but this, this communication that goes on be, through plants, not just through a psychedelic experience, but just walking through the forest, um, there is something going on and there's a communication there. Or when we, again, when we eat something, uh, what is an apple giving us um, out of that? Not just the nutrition, but it's it's sparking all sorts of different chemical reactions within us. And I think that is their way of communicating with us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's this stuff, there's definitely something like deep within like nutrition. Like I, I like to say sometimes food's information. And it's, it just seems to be there's all these different forms like nature and food that we don't actually really deep down understand what that is that what actually intelligence that is actually passing from that organism to our human body because at the end of the day all these forms like food and plant medicines they're actually people don't actually realize they actually live an organism within themselves and they are intelligent beings as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and again getting back to how long they've been around and evolving uh, i think that in that intelligence or that consciousness is um, way beyond what what we can grasp with uh, with kind of our simple monkey mind, so to speak. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Just before as well, something I want to mention as well because something tied in my mind. Obviously, we're talking about psychedelics a bit, but something what's interesting with me with ayahuasca, it seems to be that there's this different relationship between doing ayahuasca in the jungle versus the city. So also to bring it the other way as well, with even just asking bigger questions, like when you were describing the, uh, the boy in the woods when he was looking at the woods and he was asking these bigger questions because I actually feel when I'm in nature and I'm asking bigger quest- questions it actually allows me to open up and tap into something bigger and actually yeah. try and dissect, dissect the questions a lot better as well definitely and sometimes I think that uh, those questions uh, you know let's just say out in a natural environment I love just watching the wind hit the trees and the motion of the leaves from that wind. It's almost like you can see the structure of the wind um, or these patterns. Um, And that, I think, is also a communication to us. Um, And there's also been a lot of research lately about the dialogue or the communication that's happening, well, through fungus, um, but trees being able to communicate or plants being able to communicate across large distances um if somebody is let's say walking through or a predator uh there's there's an alarm that goes off and it's not just from the one tree or the one plant but that communicates out into the natural world and it can go on for miles um and that communication is spread uh to other living beings throughout the entire system Mm, definitely and i think a lot of people um forget like um is that is that um, is that we came from? Is like oh, sorry, the planet gave us this like ed communication. Really, this was like the planet's way of communicating us. And like it was basically like nature's way to educate us. And nature basically is took us to where we are right now. We like to think of it as our creation, but it's not really. It's nature's creation. Nature, mm-hmm. nature give us all of this intelligence, and nature's like nurtured us as like um. Is like a baby grown into a child and still nurtured us. It's still looked after us. It's still provided for us. But it's like we've reached like the stage of a teenager now, and it's like we've we're starting to rebel. We're starting to get like, 
you know what? I'm, I don't I don't need this. I'm I'm my own person. I'm I'm bigger than this. I'm I, I, I this is my world now. And it's like deep down, we still need that. We'll always need that connection to this um, intelligence, to this mother, to this nature. What's interesting to me, just sorry to jump in there as well, but what's interesting to me, what Chris was saying there, it seems to me that that's actually come back on itself as well because with this, obviously, this new um, renaissance movement with, like, these psychedelic medicines, that's actually come back on itself and it's, like, sort of nature's, like, sort of coming back again and saying, you know, you might be going on the right track. This is the right track now. Do you know what I mean? It's very interesting. Well, that reminds... Oh, sorry, I was just going to say again. Well, that reminds me, like, how a mother would talk to a a child and be like, well, look, here, I'm going to keep guiding you by in the right direction. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and I, that um, you know again, I think that the Earth is this complex adaptive system. And uh, getting back to Dennis, he's had this wonderful idea that ayahuasca now has spread all over the planet, and it as a natural system is communicating through human beings to I don't want to say correct our direction, but wake us up a little. Um, and it's not just in the Amazon anymore. So it's it's not going to just be taking place in the forest, or it's going to be happening in cities. It's going to be happening, you know, at your next door neighbors. It's going to be happening in places. But but the message seems to be pretty common across the board um, of looking at ourselves within a natural system and not outside of that natural system. And so I find it interesting that the planet through maybe ayahuasca is talking to us and giving us a new way of being and spreading itself in its consciousness around the planet to to help us wake up yeah it certainly seems to be like if if, if a living organism was at threat it would find every single way possible to try and create this uh, create like a sophisticated message that the organism that was actually trying to affect it by hurting it the system itself, the organism would create this, this sophisticated message that the human being could actually communicate with and decipher. And obviously that seems to me what you just said there. That's exactly what ayahuasca is doing. Absolutely. Or or maybe just a simple message. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Just like, hey, you guys, wake up, monkeys. Yeah. Uh, there's more going on here. And, and, you know, again, a lot of people's experience, especially on plant medicine, seems to tie us back into a connection to nature and understanding that that we are having an impact on the natural environment and that we need to um, change our direction um, and ask different questions and start to see how we're developing and, and having some forethought a little bit about what we're doing and how we're doing it as opposed to just doing it um, and letting money be the, the driving force or um, any number of other things but just to be able to say wow okay, I'm part of something much bigger and even though I'm part of something much bigger and and small in the scheme of things, it can ripple out and have huge impacts on the planet. Oh yeah, certainly, it certainly will do and I I think that's the the experience that a lot of people do get when they do try ayahuasca, they do get these fast experiences of where they can feel like they can change the planet but most importantly, they can change themselves and and when you start touching like um, how ayahuasca itself is going to be evolving and how it's going to be started interpreted in the cities and in uh, larger larger communities and it makes it made me think as well um will the message still be the same will will people still want to see if ayahuasca was available on a, on a wide scale could would we still get that same message would we still have the deep meaning and understanding like of wanting to change the world like if it was if we were in a city 
and we were just walking down the street and oh I'm just going to try some ayahuasca let's see what that's like and then they, <laughs> they had the experience and then they came out but they came straight into the same same planet where the same city where they've always lived will they still feel that connection to nature this is I'm talking in a future generation here sure sure yeah, I don't know if it's um, maybe that connection to nature, like, oh my gosh, I see the city and, and I'm connected, but it it does almost bring it back to a personal level, but coming back to that personal level also expands out, um, and I think that's what we're, whether it be like, oh, I've got to help the planet via this, um, it, it gives us a new insight into the broader sense of reality, um, and so that alone, I think, can, can start to make those changes. And, and again, we got to be careful how we describe nature. A lot of times it's just about being out in the woods. And again, I think nature is, is the city, is the suburbs, um, is the forest. It's, it's all of it. It's technology. Technology is part of the natural system. It, it seems to me as well that's why it's going to be so important for the for like a future civilization to actually realize that and actually realize this connection from the natural world to like um a more advanced like a uh, futuristic city because I think this is going to be such an important important part where we're going to actually have to realize that we we do need we because we, it's obviously going to be inevitable that the future is just going to go ahead and we're going to build these new vast machines but we're actually going to have to always remember that we still need to play about in the in the in the two worlds and not ever forget forget that the natural world has actually got us to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would say that it's not even two worlds. This is I think it is kind of one living system, not just on this planet, but beyond. Um, and again, another big philosophical discussion that you could dive into, but um, it, it is informing us and the planet is responding and we are part of that and we are just trying to figure it out. And I, I, I'm kind of an architecture and design geek and, I, and I'm loving seeing some of the new designs and the new ways of building, um, not just through natural building materials, but how they're situated, how are we integrating plants into that or the collection of sunlight or rain that feeds that system, that, that feeds what we would say is an inanimate object um, instead of a sky rise that has four sides and a bunch of windows, how does that thing start to break up and how do we create something that's going to handle a large population but is more in tune with the living system? Yeah, yeah, I think... Um I think I think that's when we are going to start evolving. Really, is when we start um, understanding like this new system. Um, like you said before, everything changes, and I think that's a very interesting point that we have to keep on um, bringing up. Is like, how do we are we going to distinguish this change really? And I think um, when we start understand, because I don't know. Sorry, that's an interesting thing. I'm just about to say it myself. I'm just thinking like we already know how we're going to change, whereas truthfully we haven't got a clue. We haven't got a clue on how. <laughs> technology and how how everything's going to shape our brain it's it's we're all going to be in so many different different ex- a complete different existence and we're all going to be at the different levels of the game we're, some of us are still going to not understand like the vast connection in nature like another person and this is what like um even though the internet now it's brought us together it's brought us it's brought us in a way like we've never ever seen before but yet we can still look at people who are on a level where, wow, wow, look at that's I've never seen that in the global news before. Look at that person, like they're living in a shack in India, they've got nothing. But now look at me in my massive like six bedroom house, and it's 
people start on to see the real world and this is where this is like the change what nobody was expecting nobody was expecting to see how the other half lived and this is how we're um this is how we're gonna see change differently we need to understand that the change is going to be a big big wake-up call for everyone yeah and and once i kind of mentioned touched on this earlier but I think roughly two and a half billion people on the planet actually have access to the internet. Um, what happens then when we increase that by twofold? You know, what happens when we have people around the planet, and let's say it's four or five billion people, which is still not the entire planet, have access to that? What sort of changes? You know, it's only been twenty years essentially since the internet's been out. Uh, what happens when we tap in another two, three, four billion people? What kind of change do we start to see then, and how quick does it go? Um, that fascinates me, and it, get, it keeps my mind ticking on a daily basis, uh, just contemplating that. And and that's where I again I start thinking that some of those really big and quick changes uh, start to take place. And I think we're at a time where some of those things are happening a lot quicker. I think we're at a, at a, at a major turning point. I think there are some, some things that are starting to unfold now that um, are going to have a huge, huge impact very soon through our economy. There's a lot of indications that uh, there's another global economic collapse that's coming uh, and coming very soon. Um, also, just the environment that we were talking about and how that's going to change. Um, but then tapping in... Um, there's micro satellites that are going up now that potentially will be giving 4G service to every part of the planet, however remote it is. Um, and when you have cell phones or um, smartphones that people can access that information in the middle of India or you know deep in South America or anywhere else on the planet, oh my goodness, we're going to see some quick changes. Um, don't think they're all going to be uh, – it's going to be a little rocky, I think, uh, for a little while. But after that transition period, I think things actually will open up and we'll see a much more peaceful time. Yeah, definitely. It is. It, it will be interesting to see that transition of actually what goes on in the future of the planet with these technological advances. And I was actually th- – something came to my mind there because we just, we just did a podcast with uh, Stephen Kutar, and he was um, talking about how um, like a future – in the future, like a laptop will be um, – as sophisticated as the current human brain, and when I heard him mm. when I heard him say that, I was like, "Wow!" I was like so baffled by that, and I was actually thinking to tie that into the uh, connection of nature as well. Maybe we we're in a time now we are working so hard to create the uh, create something that we already have. So if you look at VR now, we're trying to like create these new worlds with where they've got nature inside them, um, nanobots to sort of like heal our body as well. But maybe I was actually thinking there, it came in my mind. Maybe we're actually already forgetting that we're already there, and the human body already seems to me that's the most sophisticated machine that's ever been created. And also as well to tie nature in as well. To me, nature seems like it's the most sophisticated, like mechanical mechanical playground ever. Oh yeah, <laughs> it is. It is fascinating, and yeah. Um, again, I. I'm cautious about even saying that the, that the human brain is the most complicated thing because I think it's, again, much bigger than just us. Um, and that our technology is just giving us um, an expanded sense of that. Um, now, I'm also cautious of saying that we're going to create a computer that's going to mimic the human mind. I think it's just going to do things, some things better and quicker than, than our brain can do, um, even though it has a lot more processing power. 
I think it's going to just be a, an addition and, and a broader way of being able to tap into things. So it becomes not just this tool, but um, another sense of consciousness. Yeah, definitely. Mitch, it's just something I want to ask you there as well. Obviously, we've been talking, touching on a lot of different topics here. But a question spot in my mind there, I want to ask you, like, what area actually sparks in your mind that the world needs to sort of like open up, open their eyes up to, and for the like, especially for in the future as well. Hmm. You know, I think that's uh, it ties into this new documentary, Grounded Being. One of the things that's been driving me is understanding that we are part of this large, complex, adaptive system, um, and and trying to let people understand that we are part of that system. We're part of a living system uh, and that humans are not separate from that. Um, and so the, the goal hopefully with ground of being would be to show the planet as a life force. Um, and we're cells within that, if you will. And, and, you know, you could use any analogy there, but just pieces of this larger picture. And if we can get people to start understanding that we are part of this larger living complex system, then that I think changes a lot of different areas of our lives um, and how we communicate with one another, uh, how we treat one another, how we treat, again, animals, how we grow our food, how we walk down the road. Um, and I know that seems a little trite, but it's, uh, I think it can be that powerful. So hopefully waking people up to the fact that we are part of this bigger system. Yeah, I think I think a lot of us keep forgetting how how um how much of a role we actually do play right now in, in this system like not the system like um humanity has created but the system that nature's created we completely forget about it and um just to go back on a point you said um you said like we were um we're an adaptive um we were adaptive force really like um human beings and i think that's something sparked my mind there is like it's, we are we are this adaptive entity on this on this machine and, and this on this ride and it's incredible and like we are like this survival race and whatever happens we will survive and we will go on like humanity it's survived plagues and diseases without healthcare we've, we've survived wars on this global scale fast temperature changes like global financial collapses and but right now we're making our own problems like we want the world like in everything in it and n- never before we actually put our own climate in danger or changed the global temperature, or even wiped out like fifty percent of the forests on this entire planet, and that, and that, like that figures just rise and eat steeper every year. And like we need to change our understanding of this world. And when we actually think in this in this realm, like we are a piece of this larger system, then we do change it. And you're right. We are adaptive um, again, and that is that it, the adaptation is is a direct review of the change process, um, or as maybe Joseph Campbell would say, the, the, the hero's journey. Um, that's the change process that I think he was trying to describe, where we can, everything's kind of at a nice pace, and everything's feeling comfortable, wherever you are, and then all of a sudden we wake up one day, and things are a little different, and it does you feel slightly out of sorts. Um, and if we understand that that change is going to happen, we can start to work with it as opposed to against it. Yeah, definitely. I look this before as well. I think as well. I think change will come. Like you said before, this the whole the whole theme of this podcast to me. You said a brilliant line before. You said, um, "Earth is a life force itself," and I think that's been sort of the whole theme of this pod- podcast. Now, I really do think that when people realise that Earth is this life force, that's when people will 
it'll spark something in people's mind to realise, oh shit, yes, we are, we're part of something bigger, like you've been saying, like consciousness is part of something bigger, our mind is part of something bigger, our bodies are part of something bigger, like we all are part of something bigger, and I think when we do realise that, like Earth is, a, is, Earth is this complete life force, that's when people will be like, yes, I do want to change, I want to change the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, it's an adaptive system, and it's going to keep changing, and again, I have hope, for the future, I, I know a lot of people. You can we can look out there, we can see a lot of things. It looks like the world's going to hell in a handbasket, um, but the old systems are collapsing. Um, our economic systems, our political systems, all of these things were created hundreds, if not thousands, of years ago, and they're still in place. But they're not able to handle the complexity of our current day. So yes, we're going to see a lot of things falling away. But there's new stuff starting to rise up, and that gets back to the point of ground of being. Let's let's not look at all the issues out there. Let's start looking at what some of these solutions are and what people are doing to make a difference. And there's been some some huge, huge changes in in what's going on out there. And, and kind of a, a one simple little thing, um, looking at the medical marijuana or even marijuana in the United States and what's happening here. Colorado, since they've legalized that again, looking at a plant to be able to heal us in a, in a number of different ways. Their opiate addictions have gone down. Their crime rates are down. There's more money for schools. People are healthier. <laughs> um, and, and that simple change of looking at the, at the plant to be able to change all of these different facets of our society um, and make a, make a positive impact, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, before as well, when you were obviously talking about obviously all these things that are coming to the, the fortitude and things that are changing, like you were talking about marijuana, I think it's a, be- it's a beautiful time where it's sort of saying like the, these documentaries that are coming forth, podcasts that are coming forward, are, are sparking a movement and sparking a bigger movement that's bigger than anything else. Um, and I think as well, there's, there's obviously, this, we are, us three sitting here now, obviously we can say that there's plenty of things in the world that each of us would like to change. And I think we all want to make a difference. But something I want to touch on with you, uh, Mitch, was a lot of people actually just think that the problems are too big and they can't do anything about it, and they actually think like, "Where can I start?" And it actually seems a lot, it seems it can seem quite daunting for for a lot of people. But to my thinking, and obviously this conversation as well, there's actually a lot of ways that we can actually make a difference in the world. But I want to ask you, Mitch, like if someone wanted to actually make a difference in the world, but like they're just, obviously they're just not sure how, what would you say to them? I would say first and foremost, um, asking asking yourself, and each one of us, I think, is is individual in this res- in this question and in this response. What drives me? What what makes me happiest? And I think we all know that deep down inside. You know, we have a lot of people leaving the corporate world to just go find a way to make a living, whether it be playing a guitar or whatever that little spark is that makes them just happy. So I'd say follow your heart. What is that thing that drives you? And if you can tap into that and start following that path, I think things start to open up and actually just fall into place without us having to force them into place. Um, And I think this does come back to a very personal level. You don't have to – it's good to think about some of these larger issues on the planet, but we need to address them on a personal level first. And when we do that on the personal level – then that starts to affect our friends around us, our family, our local communities. And then that spreads out. And then all of a sudden, these bigger issues that are out there take care of themselves. 
Yeah, Mitch, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's a brilliant point to leave the podcast on, to be honest. And just, <laughs> just to say, like, what makes a person happy? What makes you happy? And, like, what can make a change within you to, like, really make a change in others? How Gandhi had an amazing quote, and he actually said, um, be the change that you'd like to see in the world. And yes. I think that that is the that could be the voice of this podcast right there. And Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure and honour to have you on the podcast. And we're so, we're so honoured to have you here today with yeah, us. Yeah, definitely. Thank you guys so much. It's been an honour to be here. And um, I just love being able to share what little I have. And, and hopefully we can spark a little bit in other people out there. And, and thanks to all of your listeners for, for tuning in and taking all this in. Yeah, thank you, Mitch. Wow, I don't know about you guys, but I just thought that was such a refreshing conversation and a conversation that me and Chris really both did enjoy. So thank you again for listening to the podcast each week and it would be so cool if you guys could help us spread this podcast to more people. So please don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast. And anyway, we'll catch you guys next week in the next one. Peace.